Well, uh, this is the 4th of July holiday where we celebrate uh, the freedoms that we enjoy in, in this country. And we are so blessed to live in a country where we have the freedoms that we do. Um, those freedoms have been hard fought for. And this morning I want to talk about a particular freedom that has been won for us, uh, not by our country, but by our Savior, by Jesus on the cross. And, and I want to ask you and us living here this morning in the land of the free, are you free to forgive? Have you experienced the freedom of being able to receive and to extend forgiveness, to let people off the hook and release them, um, to break out of that bondage of bitterness and to escape from, from the prison um, of unforgiveness. And, um, you know, this is something that uh, I, I would imagine that over the past season of COVID, of being isolated, of being together in different places with different people, um, that there has, there's been some challenges, you know, there's been some relational difficulties, and some of those are still maybe simmering. Maybe that hasn't been your story, but I know that for many people that has been a story. And so how do we kind of get past that place in the past to be able to move forward? Um, forgiveness. For, forgiven is, is the storyline of the Christian faith. It's the trademark of the Christian life, and it's so core and so foundational to, to what living life with Christ is all about, that, that Jesus says that radical, unconditional, unlimited forgiveness is, is standard issue. Um, it's not like the exclusive package, it's the standard issue. And, and, and it's actually, he says, this is sort of the litmus test of authentic faith. The, the ability to forgive, to extend forgiveness to the people, to those places where it's needed. And he says that when it's missing, um, it means there's something core missing. It's all missing. So if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to open up to Matthew chapter 18. I'm going to start at verse 15. And uh, here's what Jesus says. He says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother. But if he doesn't listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. So Jesus here is, is teaching his followers how to respond when relationships go sideways. You see, um, Having Christ in your life doesn't exempt you from having to deal with relational conflict. You've probably figured that out by now. Sometimes we have this expectation that, no, I, I've got Jesus in my life. Everything's good. I don't have to deal with that kind of stuff anymore. But here Jesus is saying the expectation is not that we would never have conflict. It's that we'd be empowered to be able to navigate through it and resolve it in a way that honors God. And, and so he says, he says this in verse 15, if your brother sins against you. Um, reality is for most of us, I think we would say it's not a matter of if, it's only a matter of, of when, right? It's, it's, it's going to happen. It is coming your way. You're either dealing with it now or you will be dealing with it in the very near future. And what he says that when that happens, when, 
when you've been wronged, when there's something between you and another person, he says, jump into that situation. Go, show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens, he says, great, but if not, then, then go back again. And this time, take a few other people with you, take two others with you. And the idea is don't just sit around and do nothing when the conflict starts up. Get on it, jump into that uncomfortable situation and, and hit it head on. And, and, and so you get the sense that the disciples, they're listening, they're taking it all in, they're processing it, that, that this, is, this is how we're supposed to live our lives. And so Peter goes and he asks this question. Peter says, he says, he came up, Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. So, so the question is, you know, okay, at what point do we put the cap on this forgiveness thing, right? When, when can I just wash my hands clean of someone and say, I'm done with you. You've, you've hit your limit and we're through. So Peter throws out this number, you know, how about seven, Jesus? That's kind of reasonable, right? But Jesus says, you're, you're not even in the right zip code, right? You take that number you came up with, take that seven, multiply it by 70, and then you'll start to get a sense of what, um, what, what I'm expecting of you or what I'm empowering you to do. So w- with that answer, though, he's not trying to test our math skills. He's calling us really to be able to forgive anytime and every time it's needed, to forgive without limits, and, and, you know, there's a part of me that I would say, it really, I'm, I'm kind of a lot more in line with Peter's um, way of going about forgiveness than Jesus is, right? You know, let's just throw out a reasonable number, seven, you know, and then, uh, and then we'll go with that. In, in, in Peter's day, the expectation was forgive someone three times. That's what the, uh, the, 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 the teachers, the rabbis of that day said. So Peter's like, yeah, I, I want to be more generous than what conventional you know, wisdom would say. And so let's not make it three, let's make it seven. But Jesus says, no, no, we're, 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 we're gonna take the lid off completely. The complete lid of it is just coming off on forgiveness. And so Peter is calling, Jesus is calling Peter and he's calling all of us to do something that if we understand it, if we see it clearly, he's asking us to do something that's not humanly possible that on our own, apart from him, is completely unrealistic, extends forgiveness every time the need arises. That is setting the bar at a supernatural level. It's like if you were to ask me, if I were being asked to run hurdles around the track and the hurdles on that field were, were 20 feet high, right? It's just it's not like that's difficult, and if I try hard enough and train enough, then I can do that, right? It's, it's not going to happen unless there's something suspending me in air um, outside of my own ability to allow me to do something like that. It's, it's impossible. I don't have the capacity to jump that high on my own, and I don't have the capacity on my own to forgive the way that Jesus calls me to. So apart from Jesus, apart from Christ, apart from the Holy Spirit of God fueling my life, that kind of forgiveness is just 
It's not something we can grab hold of. It's impossible. Now, what Jesus is saying here by forgiveness, um, it does require a little bit of clarification and expectations because sometimes forgiveness can get misunderstood and misconstrued. So, so let me just clarify, first of all, that forgiveness doesn't mean that, okay, I forgive you, and that means I have to just offer myself completely as some kind of doormat or a punching bag or passively subjecting ourselves to the cruelty of others. That's not, that's not synonymous with forgiveness. Uh, forgiveness is also not the same thing as reconciliation. There, there is a difference. There's a difference between the two. Forgiveness is an individual decision to not hold something against someone who's offended you. It's choosing to absorb that, to relinquish the right to retaliate and to punish and to get even. So reconciliation is the process of restoring two parties back together. With that, there's repentance. With that, there's restitution. With that, there's an obvious change of heart that's demonstrated. But forgiveness makes that reconciliation possible. It says, I'm not going to get in the way of that happening. Okay. Um, last thing to clarify that is, is that forgiveness does not require forgetting. I don't know if you've ever heard that. It's a nice notion. Um, I, I just don't find it to be realistic. Did you ever try to forget something? Did you, did you ever try to forget something? I forget a lot unintentionally, but I've never tried to forget something. It's almost like when you try, you're reinforcing the very thing you're trying to forget. Um, I don't think God calls us to forget, for, forget something. I think it's something actually beyond that. In Romans 8, 28, he says to believe that he would use even those things in our lives that we regret, that we wish never happened, that he can use bad and painful and hurtful things and turn them around and somehow turn them out to make something good result from them. Thank God. Thank God that even though... This terrible thing happened, and it hurts so much that, that God is able to somehow redeem it and restore it and use it for some way that would be for my good and your good. So what Jesus is saying here um, is that unforgiveness doesn't need to be the logjam in your life. That's, that's pretty much what it comes down to, that we don't have to get stuck in our paths and unable to move forward when we encounter these places where forgiveness needs to be extended. And he goes on and he shares a story to make the point. So let's go, let's go on and, and, and read the story that he shares. He says this, Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. All right, so, so, so this, is, this is the beginning of the story. What it's, what it's calling us to, just to, you know, in advance, is it's understanding the forgiveness that's been shown to us. The forgiveness that God has shown to us, when that becomes front and center, that's what allows forgiveness to happen on, on a relational level around us. But in this first scene, 
we're meeting two of the three main stories in this, in this, in this story. There's the servant and there's the king. And, and, and the servant owed the, the, the king 10,000 talents. Um, we don't have a measurement for that, but that is an astronomical amount of debt. So one silver talent would be worth about 6,000 denarii back then, and one denarii was about equal to one day's wages. So when you add it all up and you put it in today's terms, it's right around um, in the neighborhood of $2.5 billion that this servant is indebted to to this king. All right, so, so if you can just picture when the king comes knocking on his door, he says, hey, it's time to settle up. This servant just doesn't have a chance. There is no way he's ever going to pay back that debt that he owes. And so in desperation, he starts to beg to the king. He says, just give me a little more time. I'll pay it all back. And you can just picture the king saying, yeah, sure, you're going to pay that back, right? But, but the king at this point does something that no one would have imagined. He doesn't just give him more time to pay back this debt that he's never going to be able to pay back. He, instead, he cancels it completely and he lets it go. In a split second, just like that, he is released. He's freed from this debt, and he walks away without any debt. The point being that this is not just a story. This is the story of the gospel. This is our story. This is the story of, of every Christ follower. Like, when we stand before God, we recognize that he is the king the only thing we carry into him on our own is our debt, right? Our, our trespasses, our rebellion, our sin. And, and what we owe is beyond anything any of us have any hope to pay off. We can't do enough good. We can't do enough works of righteousness. We are completely hopeless on our own. But we have an amazing king who's forgiven us our debts. Jesus went to the cross and he paid them in full. He paid a debt that he didn't owe because we owed a debt that we couldn't pay. So by trusting in him, we can stand debt-free before God. Every sin that's ever been committed in word, in deed, in thought, it's all been paid in full for Je by Jesus when he shed his blood on the cross. That's that's our story. That is the gospel story. It's not about good people trying to do their best to pay off their karmic debt and earn God's approval, right? That's not the gospel. The gospel is about desperate, hopeless people. That's me receiving forgiveness that we don't deserve, that we haven't earned, that we didn't work for because of the amazing grace and the goodness of God. I, I hope that's become your story. I hope that when you hear this, that something inside just beckons and starts to gush forth this joy, this thanksgiving over the grace and the goodness of God, that I am forgiven because he was forsaken, that that, that would just move us continually to worship, to gratitude. See, what's been done for us by Jesus is something that we never get over. It's not like check mark, yeah, I got that. Thank you so much. Let me get on with my life. It is life transforming. It is life altering. And it's like ink from a pen that when you, when you write it on a napkin, it bleeds through not just the one layer, but all the layers of a napkin. And, and God's forgiveness bleeds through 
into every area of our lives. And that's what makes the next part of what happens in this story such a, such a problem. Let's, let's read what, it's, what it says um, as, it, as it comes next. It says, but when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay his debt. So as the story closes, what we see is that after being forgiven such an incredible and unbelievable amount, this servant comes across another servant, a fellow servant who owed him just a very small amount, a hundred denarii. That's probably a couple thousand dollars, um, very small comparatively. But what we would expect to happen is, is not what happens. In, in light of, of how much he'd been forgiven, we would expect that this servant would reciprocate it, that he would forgive the little that was been owed to him. But instead, he throttles the guy. He demands that he pay him back. And the fellow servant responds the same way he did to the king. Be patient with me and I'll pay you back. That should echo in his mind, oh yeah, I said something like that just not that long ago. But he responds and says, are you kidding me? No way. And he has him locked up in jail. See, the problem is that he wasn't living in light of the forgiveness that he'd received. And that leaves us, that brings before us this issue for us to look at and assess our own lives. Am I? Are we living in light of the forgiveness that's been shown to us, that's been, that we've received. Is God's forgiveness to me impacting the forgiveness that I extend to those around me? See, our vertical relationship with the Lord, it's always gonna work out in our horizontal relationships and the way that we get along with each other. And forgiveness is one of those places where the horizontal and the vertical lines intersect and they come together. Because there's a, there's a foundation for forgiveness that only the Christian knows. And it's powerful. And that's why Jesus says, that lid can come off. You may have it on, but I'm not keeping it on. He forgives us not seven times. He forgives us unlimited amounts of times. So why would we put limits on the forgiveness that we show to others? He doesn't forgive us just when we deserve it. He forgives us when we don't deserve it. He doesn't forgive us with conditions. He forgives us unconditionally. And I don't know about you, but I am, I am so glad that my Savior forgives me that way because if he didn't, I'd be hopeless. And, and this is a reality that only Christ followers can grasp, to be forgiven like that. I would say the atheists cannot grasp that. They have no foundation for forgiveness. The followers of Eastern religions, they, those, those 
religions don't focus on forgiveness. You just keep on reincarnating yourself until you work off your debt. But the Christian faith in particular is about radical, unconditional forgiveness from God that sets us right with him. And so it only makes sense that those who have experienced it have the capacity are free to extend it. The Lord has given us an unlimited reservoir of resources to, to draw from. And you know, this morning, we are living in a world of hurt, right? We are living in a world of relational hurt. Even in this room alone, I, I think it's safe to say that, that there's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of debts that are owed. And, and I'm sure we, any of us could stand up and talk about people who owe us relationally, people who have taken from us, people who have caused us pain, real pain. And our natural response, all on our own, is to make them pay. Get them, right? The question is, how are our stories going to end? Are we going to be like this servant who refused to let go of that debt? Are we going to punish and make people pay for what they've done to us? But the question is, how do we keep this servant's story from becoming our own story, right? From becoming people who have received so much mercy and grace, but extend so little. Because that's very possible for any of us. The only way is to see forgiveness in light of the cross, to, to not look at forgiveness as something that's just a matter of between me and someone else, and then look at it and say, how could that person possibly do that to me? How could they possibly hurt me that way? You may start there, but don't get stuck there. Take it to the cross. Deal with it from that place. Anytime you're struggling to forgive someone, anytime you feel like I am just done with this person, let that lead you, let that beckon you back to Calvary, back to the cross, back to the sacrifice that's been done for you. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean that forgiveness on a human level is going to come easy. It doesn't mean it's going to be automatic, but it, it does mean that that lid can come off and you can take that step forward. Because here's what we find at the cross, that the greatest debt any of us owe is, is between myself and my God. It's not the debt that someone else owes me. It's the debt that I owe God that he forgave me through Jesus. And forgiveness at the core is, is so much less about me and you, how much you hurt me, how angry I am. It's more about me and God and the amazing grace he's shown me at those moments when I least deserved it. And there's a choice in each of our lives. We get to choose and decide, what is this going to be about? Is it about me and you, or is it about me and God? Because here's the thing, people, they're going to continue to offend us, right? That's not going to stop anytime soon. They're going to continue to owe us relational. They're going to continue to slight us. They're going to continue to do us wrong. Um, the only thing that's going to change is how we choose to respond to all that. So, so let me just stop it for one more moment and just one, make one more disclaimer. 
because this is something that I hear a lot. In this story, um, there was a request for mercy that was made, but people ask, what about if that request isn't made? Do I forgive someone who hasn't asked to be forgiven? Can I forgive someone who hasn't asked for it? What do I do with someone who refuses to open up to their offense, right? This is kind of the place where relationships get so messy. And so to go back to where we started, it started when Jesus talked about, here's what to do when someone offends you. He says, go to that person, um, articulate the offense, not in anger, not in hurt. The, person, the, the purpose isn't to retaliate, it's to reconcile. Um, I, I can't tell you how many times that, that step gets skipped um, in the relational reconciliation process. How many times I ask, hey, did you go to that person? And they say, no, I didn't go to that person. Or, you know, no, they ought to know already. I shouldn't have to tell them. Um, or, yeah, I went to that person and I screamed at them and then I hung up on them. Um, that's, that's not what this is talking about. So at a certain level, you deal with that anger issue. You get that out of the way. You point out the offense if there's recognition there's repentance, then you're able to extend that forgiveness and it's done. Um, if it's not, you kind of bring in some support, some help to go back, to do it again. Uh, again, with this heart disposition that longs, that prays, that's, that's working towards reconciliation and not retaliation. So the question is then, when after all you've done that, there's no response, what do you do? Um, I would say, it might be time to move on. Uh, between you and the Lord, you've released the person who's offended you. Forgiveness has already been given in your heart before God. Well, that means that there's no more latent anger and bitterness. Um, however, there's no reconciliation until there's some kind of recognition, until there's some kind of repentance. And so I kind of think of it as sort of, you know, the hotel doors... There's adjoining doors. If you get a hotel room with someone next to you, there's these two-sided doors. There's a door on my side and the door on the other person's side. So between, on my end, that door is open and it's unlocked, right? I can't force that other door to open on the other side. My door is unlocked. I can wait for that door to open. I can be praying for that door to unlock from the other side. And there's a point where we come to Romans 12, 18. It says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Uh, that's, that's a disposition of forgiveness. Let me just close with this last verse of as Jesus wraps up the story. He says this, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from the heart. This, this matters. This is one of those places where the horizontal and the vertical intersect. This is the litmus test. This is where it all comes out. Forgiveness, Jesus says, he wants it to become from the heart, not just this emotionless choice, but something that has our heart engaged. Not begrudgingly, but willingly. Not in callous indifference, but in grateful privilege. And the only way that can happen is by turning every opportunity to extend forgiveness on the human level into a reminder of how much we've been forgiven on a spiritual level from our God. You know, um, it wasn't too long ago, there was a few weeks ago, uh, where on Sunday morning, we were having some issues here with the plumbing in that 
the toilets wouldn't flush. Some of you remember this, right? The toilets wouldn't flush. The, 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 um, the faucets, you would turn them on, and the flow was just so slow. It was terrible. It was a trick. I'm like, oh, man, we've only got a few weeks left here. Do we have to order some kind of big plumbing repair thing? Um, and then we found out that there's a filter. We've been here a few years. <laughs> Never knew there was a filter, a water filter before. Um, but, uh, you know, went and changed that filter, and it was, I don't know, John actually did it. He, he can tell you how, how clogged it was, but it was, it was pretty bad because after that filter had been changed, uh, what had just been clogged and slowed down to a trickle was back to a full flow. We got really good water pressure here now. Um, the water pressure was always there. It was always coming in from the, from, from the well, but that flow wouldn't move forward until that blockage got stopped. And that's a lot like how our lives operate. There is this unlimited supply of forgiveness running into our lives through the Holy Spirit, through the, the incredible work that Jesus has done on the cross for us. His forgiveness comes into our lives like a rushing stream of water. It's flowing to us, and it's meant to flow through us, out to the other places, to the people that it's needed to go. But sometimes something needs to get unstuck in order for that to happen. Maybe it's a broken relationship. Maybe it's a hurt. Maybe it's any number of things that need to get addressed. And the message here is that uh, you're free to forgive, that the freedom is there, that unforgiveness doesn't have to be something that slows our lives, that slows our relationships down and just makes them drag and turns them into nothing. Let's pray together.